I was born again in 1975, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Joan, you know those mistakes you've been making all these years? Those weren't mistakes. Those were sins. I just gasped, sins? I thought they were mistakes. I didn't know I was committing sin until God opened my eyes to show me I was committing sin. I agreed with the Holy Spirit when my eyes were opened. And that is what being born again is all about. That moment of enlightenment where the Holy Spirit shows us that we are committing sin. And we repent and agree with God. I was leaving my best friend's house where I had been staying with her and her husband while I recovered from, uh, from an operation. I was leaving her house that morning, and I walked past her, and I said, Oh, by the way, Donna, I don't think I've been a Christian before now, and I just kept walking. She screamed out, Joni, Joni, come back. Wait, wait, what did you just say? I said, well, I don't think I've been a Christian before now. I thought I was a Christian. I was baptized in water. But God spoke to me last night and told me the things I had been doing were sins instead of mistakes. And I think now I'm a Christian. Of course, she was thrilled. She was crying and just really thrilled. She said that I spoke like a Christian but about a week or so before this, they had realized I wasn't a Christian. So she was really thrilled. The next step was Donna said I had to start going to church. So I went to the same church that Donna and Hal go went to. It was a little church in Dallas called Believer's Chapel. Their preachers were from Dallas Theological Seminary. I would describe it as a doctrine that's somewhere between Baptist and Church of Christ. The main teacher was teaching a seminar at the time I started going there, and it was about the subject of tongues. Well, I'm not at all sure I'd ever heard of a tongue before then, and I certainly didn't care about tongues one way or another. But he was teaching tongues are of the devil, and I was reading the New Testament Bible at the same time. I came across a scripture where Paul said, forbid not to speak in tongues, and they were certainly forbidding it at this church I was attending. Even though I didn't care about the subject at that time, I did care about the Bible. Do you, do you care about the scriptures? Or do you just say, oh, well, it really doesn't matter? How many people say that? How many people do you think view it that way? That they know something's a little wrong, but oh, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. If you yield to that voice, you're yielding to a devil. Because every portion of scripture matters. And at the day of judgment, we are going to be judged 
by what we do on this earth, whether it is good or bad. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5. For we must all appear at the judgment seat of Christ. Every scripture matters. So I was confronted with a scripture which told me one thing, and the church I was attending was teaching exactly opposite to that scripture. I have to choose. I can't do both. Do I choose the scripture and leave the church group where my best friend and her husband were, were there? Do I lose the association with my best friend and her husband over this scripture? I chose the scripture. How about you? In Second Peter chapter 3, Peter talks about the second coming of Jesus and what will happen. And what he told us is this. Be diligent that ye be found of Jesus when he returns, that you be found without spot and blameless. He says, in peace, without spot and blameless. Do you really believe you are going to be found blameless when you sit in a church that teaches the opposite from the Bible on a single verse of Scripture? doesn't have to be the whole Bible. They're going to teach some of the Bible, but what about that verse of Scripture? You're not going to be without spot and blameless by sitting among them when they teach opposite from the Bible. And you're going to have to come to grips with this really fast. In 1979, God gave me a terrifying dream. In this dream, I was in a hotel-type building I went into a meeting room where a man was speaking to a group of people. By the way, at the beginning of this dream, destruction was everywhere. I went into this meeting room, and this man was speaking to this group of people. A second man rushed in and said, Stop. Wait. Can't you see? It's too late. It's already begun. Then he disappeared, and the first man resumed speaking. I wanted to see what had already begun. So I turned my head and looked out the windows that were on the side of the room. What I saw was terrible. There was a tall pole with a yellow civil defense type warning speaker on top of that pole. Out of the speaker was coming a poisonous gas. And it was coming directly toward us who were sitting in that meeting room. The shocking thing to me 
was the very instrument that was set up to protect us, was being used to distribute the poison gas that would kill us. I looked at the man seated next to me. He had a big smile on his face. He was looking directly at the speaker, at the man speaking. But this man was a corpse. He was already dead. I looked at the other people in the room, and they were all dead. And as I sat there in that room where that man was speaking, I began to feel drowsy. And I knew that gas was killing me, too. Now, the dream interpretation today is very obvious to me, but at that time, when I had the dream, I didn't know what it meant. I was a new, fairly new Christian, and, oh, I just was like a puppy dog. I loved everyone in the room. I was just running from one person to the other, and it was super wonderful and grand and glorious. And my best friend Donna at the time said, Joni, I have been injured more by people in the churches than I was ever injured by people in the world. And I just stared at her. It's not that I didn't believe her. I just didn't understand it. So when I had this dream, I was still like that puppy dog in the churches. I had no idea there was any evil in the churches. I just loved everything. About two years later, I was sitting at the church I was attending, and I turned and happened to look at the man sitting who was sitting next to me. He was the man in the poison gas dream, the corpse. I was so stunned. The preacher, the pastor was preaching when this happened. While this happened to me, the pastor was preaching. I, I, I was just so shocked. And then I looked around the rest of the room, and it seemed to me that the congregation were the people in the poison gas dream who had already been killed by the speaker. I got up and took my things and went into the ladies' room and prayed. And I said to God, I think you are showing me to leave this church. I'm going to get in my car and drive away. But if you want me to come back, you show me, and I'll turn around and come back. God did not want me to come back. I expected God to put me in another church immediately. Who expects not to go to church? But every time I started, I went to church after that, I began hearing preachers preaching things that were not in the Bible, that they added to the Bible. And for 40 years, I hunted a church to attend, and every time I tried to go to church, I heard the preacher preaching something that was not in the Bible, or I saw them doing things that shouldn't be done. For example, I went to a little Assembly of God church one day. When I entered the room on the right-hand side, hanging on the wall, there was a photograph, and it was that picture that is so often portrayed as Jesus a young man with long hair and a long robe. I was shocked that they had this hanging 
on a wall in this church building. I was shocked. That is a graven image. That's a lie. There were no photographs of Jesus. They didn't exist. To portray that in front of your congregation is a lie. I called the pastor the next day and I said, oh, you should take that down immediately. That is a form of a graven image. There are 47 scriptures in the Old Testament just on that one subject, graven image. And every one of those scriptures forbids the use of graven images in your church. Every one of them. Jesus said in John chapter 4, the time comes and now is, when they that worship the Father must worship him in spirit and in truth. We who belong to God do not worship through physical objects. We are not stirred up by looking at crosses or statues or fake photographs. This this is not how we follow God. We have the Spirit of God in us to quicken us. And by that, we follow God. We follow God by the Word of God. By the Word, God brings us by the Holy Spirit. It can be a scripture or it can be another word. We follow God by dreams that he gives us. I had a dream in uh, February 2020. I opened my front door and there were kittens everywhere. On the left side of the door, the right side of the door, there must have been 50 kittens out there. I went in my garage and there were kittens there. And all of the kittens were white except for one kitten they were starving they were absolutely starving at the point of death and some were just lying there at the point of death and I said to God in the dream I was talking to God while I was having the dream I said oh this is terrible this is just terrible the next morning I was reminded of the dream and I said to God what does this dream mean And I heard baby Christians. Baby Christians who are literally at the point of death because they are starving for the word of God. Pam Padgett, who works with me, had been given a word a few days prior to the time I had this dream. And the word was podcast. The dream for me confirmed that we needed to make these podcasts for the church. Feed the baby Christians. And not just the baby Christians. Reminding those of you who have been 40, 50 years or more, reminding you of the scriptures, reminding you of the truth of God. There was a time in the Old Testament when one of the kings one of the priests brought to the king a book that they had found while they were restoring the temple. The king read the book and he 
fell down crying and weeping and rent his clothes because this book was the law of the Lord that had been lost and the, they had not had it and had not been following it and he did everything after that to try to follow the law of the Lord. He broke down the graven images that the people had set up to worship God by. He broke down all of the idols. He ran the sodomites out of town. He took every action. God sent a prophet to this king, and the prophet told him that because of his action in trying to follow the word of God, he was not going to see the evil that God would bring upon the nation. He would be taken out. He would not see that which was coming upon the nation. But the evil would come upon the nation because the people were worshiping something other than God. The children of Israel were going to suffer because of this, although this king would not see what happened to them. It's just like us. It's what is it? It's the Great Tribulation. Same thing. The Great Tribulation that comes after Jesus comes for the church. The real church, the ones who worship God through the word of God, who love the scriptures more than they love their churches, who will not violate those scriptures, those will be taken out before the Great Tribulation. The rest of the people who are sitting in churches doing all manner of evils, they're going to be left to go through the Great Tribulation. That's how important it is to choose correctly. But if you don't already love the Scriptures that much, you shouldn't be listening to me. Just turn this off. But some of you do love the Scriptures that much. Some of you are like I am. You love the Scriptures more than you love your church group. You may still be sitting there with them because you think, well, where would I go? Well, that's where do I go? There isn't any place to go. We are the church. I'm fortunate because I have a handful of people that I can communicate with. Not in the same town. Only one is in the town where I live. But I do know a few Christians. But you can't sit there. You can't, to sit there is to deny the word of God. And if you sit there, you're just not going to be without spot and blemish. I had an aunt that I loved very much, and she was my favorite aunt. I was sitting with her one day, and the Holy Spirit said to me, Tell your aunt about being taken into heaven. My aunt was a Church of Christ member. I really didn't want to do this, but I yielded to the Holy Spirit, and I told Aunt Artis, I said, after I was born again in the night, I was transported into heaven while I was asleep. I was with God. I was with Christ. I was with the Holy Spirit. I didn't see any images of physical images. It was in the Spirit. At that time, I was merged into the body of Jesus, made one with the Word of God, God and the Holy Spirit witnessing. A few nights after that, the same thing happened to me again. Instead of 
being volatile, my aunt got a dreamy look on her face. And then she said to me, something like that happened to me once. And it was all golden. I knew why I'd never had any problem with this aunt. We were one spirit. She was for real. Before she died, she told me this. I know things are wrong at the church. She recognized at the Church of Christ things were wrong. But she stayed there. I didn't know the messages I know today, so I couldn't speak these things that I'm speaking to you, to her. Years after she died, God gave me a dream about her. In the dream, I went into this room, and there were a long there was a long row of bassinets and babies, a baby in each bassinet. I walked down the row to look at the babies. Each of the babies were terribly deformed, horribly grotesque. I got to the end of the row of the bassinets. There stood my favorite aunt, who had died years ago. On her face were big, big brown spots and blemishes all over her face. She was fully mature, fully grown, a grown woman, about 45. But she had all of these spots on her face. She stayed in that church group where she knew things were wrong. I know that's what it means. The babies were people in the churches who had been fed terrible food, horribly deformed babies. There are two scriptures which tell me to exhort you. One is in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 and 13. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. I'm going to put it this way in departing from the Holy Scriptures. It's unbelief that causes you to depart from the Holy Scriptures. But exhort one another daily. While it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. There is so much sin in the churches. I attended Word of Faith for a season That was in Farmer's Branch, Texas. One of the men who said he was a prophet. I dated him a little bit. One day we came home, one night we came home from a church meeting. I was in the kitchen making coffee. Joe was in the living room. I stepped out of the kitchen Joe was totally naked standing there. He grabbed me and tried to rape me, and I broke free and left, fled from my apartment. 
I managed to get my car keys and I fled from my car apartment and got in my car and drove away. And I hid out until his car was gone before I returned to my apartment. Flea fornication. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, Flea fornication, every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. It's a sin different from all other sins. And here it is going on in the church. Oh, this isn't the first time I've been propositioned by someone at the church. This is the first time it's been that vivid. When I moved to Clovis, New Mexico to help my mother in her last days, I built us a, uh, I built an apartment on a lot that we owned. The man who poured the concrete for the apartment was a deacon in a Baptist church. He came into my living room and we were discussing the work to be done with sidewalks and things. And he tried to get me to have sex with him. This is a deacon from the Baptist church. I took the Bible and read 1 Corinthians 6 aloud to this man. Verse 15. Paul says, Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith God, shall be one flesh. Even if you are having sex with a prostitute, at the time of sexual intercourse, you become one flesh with that prostitute, is what Paul is telling the men. He says, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Here's this deacon from a Baptist church saying to me, God knows we need sex, trying to get me to have sex with him. In 1 Corinthians 7, Paul said to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife. This man had a wife. I knew, I'd met her. I knew his wife and children. And he's trying to get me to have sex with him what if I had been 15 years old at that church? I was about 42 at that time. I knew the scriptures. But what if I'd been a young woman, a new Christian? Well, he's a deacon in the Baptist church. Reasoning with me that we should have sex together. Denying the scriptures which tell him, you have your own wife. Flee fornication. This is horrible. This is not unusual, though. I found it over and over and over in the churches. I've been propositioned many times in the churches. And I don't know that I... Well, I guess I was a propositioned a few times out in the world. 
but more in the churches, in the singles classes, in the church congregation itself by men. Evil exists in the churches, but the churches today have eliminated portions of Scripture and have set up other doctrines. You can't stay there. You cannot stay in that type of church. A terrible fate awaits those who stay in that type of church. If you know something is going on in your church group that is not according to Scripture, you must leave. Don't go back to them. Don't try to go back and get your hat and coat that you might have left there last week. Just leave it all. Just flee. Flee. You don't want to be sitting there with them when Jesus returns. A terrible fate awaits you if you do that. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 10 through 12. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. This is Joan Boney speaking. All of the scriptures that I have read to you are printed on our blog. If you will go to Jesus Ministries Exhortations, tap on podcast, you can bring up this exact broadcast. And on that, you will see every scripture in writing that I have spoken to you today. The broadcast you're listening to is entitled, If You Love Your Churches More Than You Love the Scriptures, What Happens to You? Again, go to Jesus Ministries Exhortations. Be sure to write the word exhortation on your internet search. That will bring up our blog, and you can read all of these scriptures or print them out for yourself. Thank you for allowing me to speak to you today.